Salam and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host Salim Qasim, and once again, I'm joined by Hassan. Hello, hello, assalamualaikum. Uh, Assalamualaikum, Salam. Hassan, thank you for 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 jumping on. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here again. You always, by the way, guys, and I said this to the last guest that Hassan jumped on with. He Hassan is the co-host at times of the Muslim Vibe podcast, <laughs> but only when. He is very much inclined to the guests that we have on, mm. um, and and that's I guess a testament. As soon as I told him Ibn Ali Miller, <laughs> he was like, "I am in." I told you we were brothers. <laughs> we said they're walking in. Yeah. There was some bromance going on before we <laughs> started Allah. recording. For the context, I sit over there. That's we share the office, and I'm, okay. I'm sat over here. So whenever whenever there's there's a, a good point for me to jump in, I think um, I'm happy to join the conversation. Yeah, may Allah bless it. I mean, thank you. But the, it's quite interesting in terms of timing and context and everything else. We've obviously introduced yourself very briefly and, and Omar is also here from the Muslim Influencer Network. But I think to give both of you a little bit of context as to how this all came together. Um, at the beginning of this week, we had like our team meeting and we were talking about the podcast and what kind of content we wanted to do. And interestingly, Hasib said to me that, oh, it's uh, Black History Month in America. It's February. It's like the middle of February right now. We need to get something recorded and get a guest on that's going to be the right kind of guest that can talk about this and push it out before the end of the month. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to find the right guest. Um, And then like, I think the next day on on Omar's uh, WhatsApp status story thing. WhatsApp story is effective now, isn't it? Well, yeah, WhatsApp story is a thing. Um, I think it's on by Facebook, right? (laughs) Social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but on there, you were posting about Ibn Ali coming to London and needing some accommodation. Now, I couldn't help with the accommodation, unfortunately, but I saw an opportunity to be able to get you on. Um, Number one, to to, to talk to you face to face. And and I mean, like I've I've seen your stuff and when, when the initial video of yourself talking to the two um, guys that were having a fight and breaking up that street fight went viral. Um, I think it was it, it was quite a, quite a moment. Definitely. definitely. In that like you were kind of, and, and all, all the all the subsequent kind of media and PR that, that took place, the Steve Harvey show when you got the award um, from the local town yeah. hall, I can't remember exactly where that yeah, was, yeah. but all of that, like the, the framing from yourself and there was one line that, that kind of, almost reduced me to tears when you were talking about your 15 minutes of fame and you said that I want to use every single one of those 15 minutes of fame to kind of pay homage to my mum. And and for me, it was just mind-blowing seeing someone not getting caught up in the in the fanfare of it all, but actually just... I mean, let, let's rewind to the beginning for a second. The fact is, and, and you were introduced by Imam Omar Suleiman at an event as getting caught in the act of doing good. Mm. Um, and he said something to the effect of in a, in a generation, an era where everyone's getting caught out doing bad, you were caught, do, you were caught out doing good. Yeah. And, and there was complete sincerity in, in your actions 100%. because you weren't expecting this to go viral and LeBron James to retweet or anything like that. But it just became a thing. And, and I just want to jump in. Just I always think it's very important to note that um, with, with these viral moments, viral videos that we see on the Internet, I think it's very easy for us to isolate incidents as, oh, this was that one time, you know what I mean? And I think um, it's a testament to what we should be doing online to show that lots of people are doing good things and these kind of acts should be celebrated um, and that we should see more of this. They are happening. They are happening. happening. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I think this is an instance in which it was, it was documented and celebrated in the correct way. Which was, what was so surprising to me about the whole thing though, was just that how many, how, doing something good 
that that was big news. 100%. And that just let yeah. me know, I mean, how much bad is being accepted today. Mm. Um, so not only for myself, but th- there are there are many good men and good women doing many good things in many different places. But I just think the way, you know, where media is today, mm. um, what's good doesn't get views. 100%. You know? yeah. yeah. So I, I want to kind of start off with, with the topic of, of talking about um, Black History Month. And I think why it's so relevant and why you're probably one of the best guests to be able to come on and talk about this is because a lot of the talks that you give, the framing of it is all around and some of the titles include Islam in the Hood. Um, and you talk about specifically the African-American indigenous um, Absolutely. Muslim experience. Absolutely. So I think for someone, I mean, we, you know, we live in Northwest London. Our, our upbringing, our context is entirely, completely different yes. to the world that you've grown up in. Yes. Can you offer just a little bit of an insight and an introduction and also explain why that topic for you is, is, is such a kind of passion and something that you, you speak so much about and from the heart as well? Bismillah, So, okay. Every country is that every country, they produce something. And what the country produce, the country produces its people, mm. right? So, so, so I have a concept that, we, that we've been developing where we say America's children, mm. right? So um, that's, it started um, just as a small writing assignment and a freestyle that we did my first time in London a few years ago. And that, and, and, and that turned into an entire idea and also a podcast too that's gonna be uh, coming out. Oh, you're on, launching a podcast on, on that. Leap year 2020. Right. Nice. So, inshallah. Um, and the, so, about America's children is this. What happened to us, it only happened in America. Mm. What do I mean by that? I mean that from the transatlantic slave trade, the descendants of the slaves, right? And, 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 which, and how, can you, how can you signify who's a descendant of the slave and who's just uh, an African? How can you? Because an African, he'll have an African name. He'll even have a language and he can say, I'm from Gambia or I'm from Senegal or I'm from Ethiopia or one of these African countries. A black man who's a descendant of the slave, his last name is going to be like mine. Miller, Johnson, Baker, Washington, Jones, Willis, Williams, Drummond, right? We mm. still we still to this day have our slave owners' last names and we don't have a language and we don't have any homeland. I don't know. I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm a descendant of people that came from Africa, but I don't know where in Africa, bro. I don't know what in Africa, right? I mean, we know that the coast that we came off, we know that 98% of them that came over here were Muslims. We, we know all of that, but which tribe did I belong to and which mm. group of people? I, who, who knows that, bro? Not to mention we're all mixed up, we're all mixed up with Europeans, Native Americans, Spaniards, right? Um, so the black man is a mixture of all of these things, primarily of African descent from the slaves. Mm. So, so, we, so we are our own race. We're not Africans. Right, so even when they put that term African American, that's something that, that 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 the people who conquered America that they named us. So you see that as a unique identifier. No, this is not even a unique. I, I see it as the unique identifier. Why? Because we are literally our own people. You don't have any other people on the face of the earth who are mixed with this particular things: mm. African, Spaniard, European, Native American, right? Um, and 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 have been with, and we're also the only people in America who are brought to America, um, not by our own will. Mm. Everyone else who came to America, other than the slaves, they wanted to come to America, mm. right? Um, so, so why is this important? Because me and just someone who's just African, and I love my brothers from Africa. Don't take this any way that I don't love my brothers from Africa. I'm just trying to signify to you what it means to be Black American, mm. right? Um, is that 
some of the African brothers I know, they ask for a visa to come here. Right? They apply for visa, apply for citizenship. They have that second generation, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, or whatever. But me and my people, we don't even know the first person from our family lineage who were brought here. Mm. We're just here, bro. Mm-mm. We're just here. So so bring that to current day. So 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 that's what America had produced in us. We're just a group of people who don't have a land and don't have a language. And we still have uh, last names that originally weren't ours. Right? And the reason why I speak about things like Islam in the hood so much is because Islam in America is what freed the black man from oppression. Mm. The civil rights movement, uh, the majority of the players were Muslims. The majority of the people, I mean, you got some notable people like Malcolm X, you have um, Martin Luther King and Stokely Carmichael and uh, some other famous poets, speakers, reverends, preachers. But most notably, and we know on the ground, no, the Muslims were ahead of that movement. Right. It's not spoken about widely, but on the ground, we know the Muslims were ahead of that movement. And the thing is, is that there were people like Malcolm X. Right. The imam. He's the American imam. The imam. Right. Uh, Malik al-Hashabaz. There were people like him that had he not come along and, 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 and had he not been martyred, we would never have such dignity in being Muslims. Mm. We would never have such dignity in being Muslims. Can you expand on that? So uh, Malcolm X. He was the first originally part of the Nation of Islam, which is not Islam. This was a black political group, and they took uh, religion as their as their framework, um, but it was incomplete religion. And I'm not going to say anything bad about the Nation of Islam because uh, socioeconomically, they, they did a lot for black people, even though their religion aspect was incorrect. He found out that the religion aspect was incorrect. He went to Mecca, he made Hajj, he became a Muslim, or became a Muslim to Mecca, made Hajj. He came back, and his number one priority was teach the people uh, the kalima of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. His own people killed him for that. Right? And for me, when you speak about the English context and you say that you're from Northwest London, my very first time I came to London, Omar took me to Birmingham. I love Birmingham, by the way. And uh, we went to the Abrahamic Foundation, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where we went. And so I spoke to the people, and there was an older gentleman there. And he asked me. So uh, he raised his hand. So I said, I said, Assalamu alaikum, uncle. You know, uh, what would you like to say? And he said, he said, I, he said, I find it fascinating. He said, the last, uh, he said, well, what are the blacks in America doing for their condition? How are they using Islam to further their condition? What are they doing? Because we're not hearing from them. We don't hear from them in the media, on the news. But we, and when I was growing up, when I was a young man, the black Muslims in America, they were the ones uh, putting the punch. Even we felt that over here in England, right? He said, and as a brown person, we were the poor people here. Mm. We, as a, as a Pakistani uncle, we were the poor people here. We were the oppressed people in England, right? We didn't have a black oppression here, right? But we had a brown oppression here. Mm. And he said to me, he said, but I find it fascinating. He said, the last black Muslim that I heard uh, speak that came to Birmingham to see us uh, in this very place, he said, was Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And that blew my mind. I said, wait, what? You remember that day, Omar? Mm, yeah. I said, wait, the last black Muslim that has come to Speak to you specifically. I'm sure there has been other black Muslims that have come, but the last one that you heard specifically, uncle, right, who went through uh, the 60s and the 70s in Britain, mm. right? Who remember the days like where, where, where they had like that fake cop group that were uh, um, antagonizing all the brown store owners and different things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was so, he lived through that. And mm. now he's telling me, but the last black Muslim that I've saw to do what you're doing is Malcolm X. So that let me know two things. It lets me know, one, that our context of being English and American is as wide apart as the season between us. Mm. As wide apart as that. 
And it also lets me know on the other side that as uh, a black Muslim is that I have to do uh, whatever I can do in my power to the point that keeps me sincere to spread light on what actually happened on the ground in America over the last few hundred years. Why? Because today there are many, many Muslims in America who are free to be Muslims. Mm. They can pray, they can fast, they can take time off of work to pray. If your boss says you can't pray, you can sue your boss now. But all of that work in America for a Pakistani Muslim, an Arab Muslim, a white Muslim, a Turkish Muslim, from anywhere in the world, if you're in America practicing Islam, the comfortability was afforded to you by the black struggle. Mm. I.e. civil rights, I.e. Malcolm X, I.e. Nation of Islam. Yeah. Right? So um, so for me, it's very, it's very important now that I have this particular platform that I use this platform to, to let everyone know, at least in America, what platform you're actually standing on. Mm. I, I think what's interesting about that is I've heard, um, I think we had Nabil Abdul Rashid, who's a comedian, mm-hmm. um, on our podcast. And he was talking about, the discussion was about anti-blackness in the Muslim community. Mashallah. And he was basically talking about the fact that even like the Muslim civil rights movements and groups like CARE and in the UK we have MCB and various yeah, other yeah, organizations. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. He was basically alluding to the fact that all of them, as you just mentioned, are standing on the shoulders of the, the black rights movement in America. And, and even the philosophies and the ideologies that we've now incorporated into modern struggles still all stem from the black struggle that took place in predominantly Mashallah. in America and the civil Mashallah. rights movement there. Um, so it, it, it's quite, I guess, uh, encouraging to hear you kind of echo that because it just reinforces that notion. No, yeah. And, and it's something I, that and people, I think need people to understand. should be fair. CARE's doing a great job. MCB's doing a great job. Yeah. All of these organizations, all of these, they're doing a great job. They're doing what's in their capability. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think politically speaking is that whenever you look at some type of um, quote unquote movement, for lack of a better, better of a term. Right. But whenever you look at some type of structure that are trying to change policy and change law. Right. Is that you got to follow the money. So today care, they have to uh, attack those issues that's going to affect the money. So that way the opposing side will then pay attention. Mm-hmm. And this will affect us financially and take food of our, out, of, out of our children's mouths. And this is something we need to listen to, right? But if it doesn't affect me financially, it doesn't affect me in real reality. We'll continue to do what we need to do. So just like the black movement, uh, what got the civil rights bill passed, it wasn't, um, it wasn't that Kennedy loved black people. That wasn't the issue. No, it was the boycotts. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was black people saying, you know what? I'm not going to give my money to your business. And your business is going to crumble because you need me to support your business. There are so many of us who ride this bus. And you know what? We'll walk. We'll walk. Mm. Right? And then and then and then and then the the housing projects came about, right? We're in Chicago, I think it's like um, I think this is uh, maybe 65 or so. Don't quote me on that, I could be wrong. We're King where he wants to implement fair housing in Chicago. And when he wants to implement fair housing in Chicago, is that then it becomes a big problem and King gets killed. So I think politically speaking, I think you have to to attack the money is the only way to make a real change. Because how, how do you think on on the ground today? To we can we take those lessons and implement them? What in what way do you think um, that we can do that? For, oh, I'm not a politician. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm that's not that's a politician. Yeah, I, yeah. So uh, so the answer to that question is I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying from what I see of people. Who are like I don't have an organization. I'm not a part of any organization. I'm not a part of any group or mm. I'm just Muslim, bro, from the hood, yeah. bro. And I just love my people. God gave me a platform and I'm trying to use that platform because it may be a short one mm. to enhance the lives of my people. 
No one else is going to do it for us. So I'm trying to do that for us. So I'm not a part of anybody, right? Except the yeah, blacks. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like, you know what I mean? Like poor blacks from the ghetto, east side of America, from where they buried us, that's who I'm with. Yeah, right? well, I think it's interesting that you, is that you you do, as we're speaking before the podcast as well, I think you, you are alluding to the notion of that we can all relate in some way. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's very important that we, uh, as a global Muslim community, uh, and specifically a community in the UK, that we look to, to the as you said, the people in America that done that, whether the that executed these movements mm. and uh, were successful, that we mm. learn from them, and then hopefully to bridge those bridge. two, to bridge those two uh, from the point that we're coming from and the point that we're going to. Yeah. Right. So we're speaking about the question uh, that I said I don't know to was how can we use those experiences from those groups in the past to you know to, to do what we need to do today to that effect. 100%. And then and then we start speaking about this global concept. Yeah. Right. So how does that how does that translate? Or how does that relate to each other? Because I guess I, I guess maybe I do know what we should do with all that stuff. I think it I think it didn't work. I think it doesn't work. I think politics don't work. Mm. I think it's a waste of time. I think buying freedom is not real. Yeah. Right. I think paying for someone to speak for you is not a real thing. Right. Um, but what I do know to be real, and and I saw this happen with blacks in America, is Islam. Mm. Islam is real, bro. And so now, globally speaking, what's going to work for an Englishman, an American man, a Chinaman, a uh, anywhere else in the world, an Asian man? What's going to work for him is practicing Islam and his capability. Mm. And I think for any given people, any group of people, especially underserved poor people, no matter where you are, right? Is because you remember the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came. Nah, it was a bunch of poor people. Bunch of slaves, free slaves. It, like the, you gotta remember the beginning Muslims, right? Nah, these were like the scum, right? How we would look at them. These were the scum, mm -hmm. right? And look at what we had from that. So, uh, to just to make that point is that I think globally, what needs to be uh, highlighted more is literally just practicing the religion. Because if I'm really a Muslim. Right, and I walk that, and I talk that. Yeah, doesn't matter if you wear a thobe or you dress like Omar or you wear Vans or you know dress like you. Right, <laughs> right. Is that it? Doesn't matter what you look like on the outside because Allah only sees what you, who you are on the inside. Yeah. That's what Allah says. Allah looks at the form, but He pays attention to the heart. Right, mm. or, or most <laughs> hidden in the breast, and all these different things. So it's not about what you look like; it's about the walk that you're walking mm. and who you're walking past. So in relation to the the video that yes. the, the incident actually occurred, we're on the same vibe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Muslim vibe, bro. You know what I mean? This is global. So, so do you think that was a, a driving factor in in maybe the the behavior that that uh, you know pushed you to to do that? And would you encourage people to 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 look at the teachers in Islam to help them do the same? Yeah, kind absolutely. Of thing? I was I I had quit my job. I was doing construction, and um, I, I, I we started a, a, a contracting uh, business. So I was doing some construction. I barely hardly knew how to do a lot of work, like mastery work. I was a laborer for some years before that. But the older man, Salim, that taught me, he taught me how to, um, not even he taught me, he made me learn how to do contracts, and he made me learn how to read blueprints. So when he died, he, he left me uh, just a few things to, to, to have a business with. And so I continued on that, and I used to get work, and I would just sub the work out. Because I know how to get the work, I know how to read the work, and I know how to pay people, I know how to do the work, right? But then I had a hard time in business because it's hard to do a business that you don't know how to do, right? Yeah, to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I can help on the job, but I can't even run my own job, right? Mm. So being frustrated, the doing you chewed me up and spit me out, and uh, I abruptly quit, and then I entered to a program, uh, a 40-day program at Elma Cossett in Pennsylvania with Sheikh Yahya. 
and um and we we learned Arabic. Uh, we did Rasala to Jamia. We did the Arabian um, Memanoi. We did Bidai to Hidaya Memo Ghazali, and some and some other books as well. Um, mm-hmm. We started with the Bekuniya, right? Like we were just beginning stuff. It wasn't. It's not big learning, but this is. It was our beginning. And after Dhuwa every day, we start Fajr every day, and then we have a break at Dhuwa, and then after Dhuwa, we come again at Asr, and we, we go all the way into Maghrib. That was a class for 40 days, right? Uh, different teachers before about eight hours a day. And I was taking a break at Dhuwa, and I really wanted to take a nap. Like, my wife, like, we turned our bedroom into the house Musala, so we were sleeping on the floor. We got, like, a green carpet, and Crazy. we got a green light, and it was, you know, it was like the green dome. And we had pictures <laughs> of, like, sacred places on the wall, and yeah, 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 but... And the kids, we homeschool. So every morning we would wake up, see the attention of my mom and dad, uh, eat our breakfast. I would go into the room, our, our bedroom, close the door. And now I'm in the musala, I'm learning. And then the kids will be on the other side of the living room doing their homeschool with my wife, right? Mm. So this is my life when I went viral, right? And uh, we were sharing a cell phone. I didn't, ha- I didn't even have my own cell phone. I didn't have a Facebook. I um, I'd come to my Facebook maybe a year or so before that. Because for us, I, I got Facebook at 18. You had to be in college to get Facebook. So I waited to get to college. I finally got a Facebook. And then two years after that, now my mom's on Facebook. I'm like, wait, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> right. so I see my mother-in-law. I'm like, okay. The world's changing quick. Yeah, time to delete pictures, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And, 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 and my, how much change has been made, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm taking this break. And I just want to take a nap. And then the phone rings. It's my mom. So, you know, we're Muslims. Probably so I saw him says, your mom, your mom, your mom, right? So I'm like, no, she's asking me a question. And I'm like, okay, right? And uh, and so I got up to to, to fulfill her request. Mm. And um, and then uh, in the way of fulfilling her request, I went to the corner store to get a bag of Swedish fish. I said, okay, I'm out. You know, my wife's trying to make me a Zahid, so she's not feeding me, right? <laughs> so I said, okay, I, I, got a do- I got a buck on me, right? I, I'll go spend a dollar and steal some Swedish fish, right? You have a little sweet treat before I go in the house. I didn't even bring it back for the kids or anybody, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm driving down the street with my little, like, Swedish fish, a little bag of Swedish fish, like 20 of them in a the bag. I'm throwing them up, catching them like that, right? And, um, and then I see these kids. And, um, and I'm just like, yo, like, this is too nice of a day, bro. Just like, the weather's great, right? It was like March or April or something, right? The weather's great. The neighborhood looks nice. All the kids are getting out of school, right? People walking their dogs. I'm shabby. I don't even like dogs, right? I like, wait, I love dogs dogs right but um the, the you know the Najasa with the you know all the rulings and all that people walking that dog it's a nice day kids riding that bike right then you got a group of the high school kids you gotta remember about the high school kids the high school kids are usually the most influential kids in the neighborhood 100 those are the big kids outside playing ball yeah, yeah, those are the big yeah. kids riding their bikes those are big, big kids on the weekend walking in groups you know piled up at the store that but the high school kids are who you see yes the young yeah, yeah, kids yeah. see them coming to and fro with their parents. Yeah. Or the older people see them coming to and fro. But the high school kids are who inhabit the neighborhood, right? Mm. So you see this group of high school kids, right? So, you know, they have more influence than anybody on the block. Yeah. But the block looks great. Got like old ladies walking dogs, kids getting out of school. It's like, it's a great, uh, it's a great American day. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like, so, um, and then, and then, they, and then, I, so I saw them begin to fight. And I don't, I don't know what, um, I would lie if I said I knew what made me get out of my truck. Mm. I would be lying to you. Yeah. So you were driving. I was driving. Yeah. There's a truck you see in the thing. It's my so that, truck. I hopped out the truck. Because I, I, I was going to say truck. that even... And you know what? I even put my Swedish fish down. <laughs> no one asks me about that. that. They never that say like, do you sacrifice your Swedish fish? No, no, no. But I, well, cause I, what I was going to say is that walking past something like that, 
Um, and, and Omar, I, I apologize. We will get you in the conversation. No, this is about this is line, but, but no I, you know what? Omar comes in the conversation. We will. A no, month we will. Later. We, yeah, will, yeah, we, will yeah. we will get there. I've just been conscious of the yeah. fact that he's been uh, yeah. patiently waiting. No, I told you from the beginning that <laughs> the focus is on him. No, no, he's uh, he, he's uh, almost but, like he's like a volcano. <laughs> it will come. Yeah, he's dormant until yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so look, what I was what I was gonna say is that. For someone to walk past that, there's obviously a couple of things that go through your head. Oh, I want to stay out of this. Let me avoid this. Some people will go pull out their phone, start recording like all of their friends were doing. Um, and you, some people, some people think that it's it's not their place. Yeah. Or, like, oh, or you don't know what's happened, messing right? around. But I'm a black man, right? No, I'm I'm right. Like Malcolm X didn't say that wasn't my place. Mm. But but right. So the, the interesting so, thing is though, you didn't just say, "Hey guys, stop it." Like you got in there and you said, I'm not leaving. And you said that about 10 times. I'm not leaving until you guys stop it. And the, but the thing is, it wasn't even like you were being courageous at because that moment. Because that, you know what? I was only imitating what I had saw. Mm. When had you seen that? No, there were, I, there, there are, there are groups of men yeah. who I've, who I've watched take uh, guns out of people's hands. And so I'm telling you, in my community, what I did as far as that actual community on the East Coast of America in Atlantic City, New Jersey, it just wasn't a big deal. Mm. Two blocks away, bro. What you have to understand is this. Each generation are worse in some ways than the past generation, and then they have some things better. Right? So our all of our predecessors, generation, generation, when it comes to like street life, they were all worse, worse. Like we don't like like our parents when they were in the streets they were they were way more gangster than we were when we were in the streets, and the people who produced them they were way more gangster. But then you have media creeping up through the eighties, through the nineties. Now I grew up with media. My little brother, the first cell phone he had, I had Nokia green screen, play Snake or Brick, something like that. My brother's first cell phone was an iPhone. Mm. He's been FaceTiming from the beginning, right? So, face. I used to have to put my phone down and then go on the computer to go social media. But my brother's first phone came with all the apps, all the yeah, so yeah, yeah. so in the context you're speaking about generation, we have these different things. And then each generation, for some reason, it seems like each generation they have like a better living than the previous generation. So their living condition, right? Like mommy and daddy grew up hard and then you grew up better. And then your kids will grow better than you and grow better than you. But then you also get worse in some ways too. Mm-hmm. Right. So this group of kids coming from I come from, we come from a, and this is not to discredit them, right? Is that but we come from a generation before social media where someone could shoot you and no one across the street would know. Mm. Now, I mean, everyone's gonna know. But before people dropped like flies, they didn't make the news. It wasn't media. It's media now because people can now produce their own media, which is how people like Omar come into play, mm. right? Um, and so I think to tie it all in is that these kids weren't the bad kids. What you saw in that fight was actually me trying to break up a fight between good kids. Mm. And when I broke up the fight between two good kids, it wasn't for just the sake of the kids. It was for the sake of their parents and then for the sake of the community at large. Why? Because we can't afford to lose any more good kids, especially young black men. We need all of the good young black men that we can find. But here's the thing, where we're from, if I lose a fight, the pressure behind losing a fight, it almost always results in me picking up a gun. When good kids pick up guns, they make bad mistakes. Mm. And so that's what you've seen in that video, trying to break up some fights between good kids. Because in Islam, you know, prevention is the best protection. Mm. You want to prevent a thing from happening, Mm. right? You want to prevent that thing. So that's what I was trying to do. 
for me, and I don't know how, how we, obviously you've seen the video, I'm sure, like multiple times, but the, it was how instinctive this whole thing was to you. Alhamdulillah. And I, I think, honestly, it's, it's, it's inspiring. And that's, I think, what moves so many people. Just that it was second nature. Like, I didn't know you were driving and you decided to get your car. I thought you were walking past and you just were like, okay, I need to go through that way. Let me break them up so I can carry on. Subhanallah. But, but that's, that's the inspiring thing here. Like, that it's, it's your, like your fitra, basically. No, when we it's, found... It's, it's part of your DNA for you to do something like this. I, you know what? I disagree. Um, I, you know, it's, just, it's just a part of Allah's qadr. But, that, but that's your humility speaking. Mashallah. Because, genuinely. because you know what I realized from this video? Right, because I'm on the Muslim vibe. We got a vibe. It's a vibe, right? <laughs> Hashtag, it's a vibe, right? Like, uh, the Muslim vibe is a vibe, right? So, uh, I mean, we're here. I'm in England. I'm, I'm representing black people from America, yeah. right? Um, what it shows me is that Allah can do whatever he wants to do. And then also, if I look back on my life, I see that Allah, because one of our teachers, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Mindis, he said one time in the lesson, he said that Allah Ta'ala, he raises you through experiences, so I look back on the experiences in my life and I say, and I look now and I say, oh, wow, Allah, you were preparing me for this, mm. uh, whatever this may be. And today, through these experiences, he's preparing me for something else. And now I realize that. Um, but I also realize that people don't know a lot of good things about black Americans. So you got like Jay-Z in the media, right? You have uh, rappers, athletes, this, that. You have gangster movies. You have, But what you see on the media here in England, when I turn on the TV or the YouTube, a bunch of negativity comes up, but that's on purpose. That's not. That's on purpose. So uh, one thing, one thing that we that we want to do to to counteract that. Speaking about Black History Month, so on my Instagram, I do a uh, Black History series, um, where I um, I write a story about a notable Black Muslim uh, that I know either locally or globally, personally how I know them. What's my personal connection with them, right? And then who I, who they are, what they did for the Dow, what they did for the Black community, and where they are today. To highlight the point that I come from a long line of good Muslim black men, I'm telling you, it's just that who cares to speak about that, mm. right? Like we get, you got Malcolm X, so why are you going to speak about anybody else? But after Malcolm X, there are so many people who grabbed the torch, lit the torch, kept yeah. the torch from going out, and they passed it to us, you know? And, I think, and, and in that moment where you, I think, within that video, rather than just limiting it to uh, breaking up the fight, but then sharing your knowledge and trying to instill with them some education and, and the way that they should be. You know what? I think if I... Maybe I know it to, to, to... I didn't know the kid was recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I told you at the time, I didn't have a cell phone. Mm. And this is not me trying to say I'm, uh, I'm some type of Zahid. No, this is me trying to say I was broke. I got a <laughs> bunch of kids. I got a house. I got a car. And, um, and I'm a struggling contractor. Sometimes construction pays, but on that year, it was not paying, right? Mm -hmm. And my poor wife, she's making rice every which way you can imagine. Like, we're eating boy rice, fried rice, microwave rice. We might even try raw rice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we, just, we had rice and chicken in any way you could think of. So, so I did not have a cell phone, not because um, I was trying to be a Zadhead. No, because I was like, nah, man, that's not economically sound to have two phones, right? Um, but because of that, my I was 26, Mm. And uh, I hadn't been in the streets, like living the street life for at least five years at that point, maybe even more. So I'm very removed. I'm seen as like an OJ. I'm seen as an old, I'm not seen as like, I'm young globally, but in my neighborhood, I'm one of the older guys. Yeah. And, and, and the younger guys, they look at someone like me and say, wow, all his friends are dead or in jail. Everyone mm. that they watch me grow up with, yeah. all of those guys are literally dead or in jail. So they'll listen to me and give me the benefit of the doubt of what I'm saying, not because of who I am, but because of who I used to walk with. 
Mm. And I'll say, okay, you're not dead. You're not in jail. What worked for you? And all I have to tell them is Islam. Mm. So um, so I didn't even know the kid was recording. I, I didn't realize all of what was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't. I didn't. like. Yeah. And I seen the kid with the phone. I don't know why I didn't think this kid's recording me. But I, I don't know. I, was just, I just wasn't thinking that. You know I mean, what I mean? I, I'm sure it's something that you've, you've now reflected on many, many times over. Yeah, a number of times. For, for people... To kind of just think, and and, and it's something that again you, you've said a, f- a few times in, in in other talks and conversations that you've had, but you went from kind of working ten hours a day contracting and doing yeah. everything else to now traveling the world, subhanallah, and speaking about Islam, subhanallah, and how one act, and this is the thing, right? You keep saying subhanallah, you're you're right. One act that was done with complete sincerity has literally changed your life, mm. and it's so significant. Like you can't. You, you, there's no way in that moment you could have been thinking, oh, everything's going to happen now because I've done this. My only thought now is, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, But this is what I mean. Yeah. I, know, I know for you that, that that's what's in your head. Because can I be people, honest with you? I'll kick it with you because this is a vibe. It, it truly is. And, I, and I'm, I'm feeling the conversation. When the video went viral, I got home and my nap is ruined. <laughs> my nap because you know we're following the sooner trying to take my sooner nap little 20-30 minute right so I, was, I wasn't going to take a long nap anyway I'm just trying to get like a little right because studying is hard bro it's like 100%. yeah my teachers are hard bro they're not like when they're out in like public they're all nice but when they're teaching though like in pro- they just like they just want you to like learn right so uh, studying is like it's intense it's right mm-hmm. so I just want to take a 20 minute nap right so I completed the task that my mom gave me um, which is between us and then, and I had my Swedish fish. Okay, good. I'm on the way back home. I got some Swedish fish that my wife doesn't know about, right? And I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm going to have some of the Swedish fish. You know, oh, right. is you know, you know what I, I think about, just come to mind about this video is, number one, it had incredible potency because we're still talking about it three years later. But <laughs> yeah. the other interesting aspect is that um, it shows that there's a real lack of uh, inspiration and and proud moments that Muslims can feel mm, proud of because sure. a lot of people didn't know Ibn Ali was Muslim until he went on the Steve Harvey show, mm, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah, that yeah. strengthened everyone's like yes this We're is one this guys. is this is what yeah, this is one of this is one of our people yeah. so I think and that I think actually that it, actually hurt me more um, as far as like if I wanted to be like a, a like a famous person it would have made more sense for me to just be like a smart black guy mm. and kind of just also be Muslim. So it kind of it, it ruined my chances of like all the the you know the big proud black people to kind of take me under their wing and do you know because we have this horrible concept of like when we say Muslim you just automatically now think of Asians or Arabs mm. or right like the rich Daisy uncle right so um, so it's, but it's, I think there's a multitude of no no it is and I think it's a it's a global conversation it is. I think no, it really everyone is. It everyone is. can take and I take think to the point I think, from I think it. to the point that Omar is making. Is that if this is advice that I have for anyone uh, who's ever thrown into the spotlight who didn't ask for it, mm. is that uh, this is why you have to truly be who you are every day of your life yeah. because you don't know on what day your life's going to change. Yeah, and on that day your life changes, everyone's going to see who you really are because because you, you're not going to be able to be anything other than that, mm. right? Let's actually bring Omar into the conversation. Inshallah. Thank you for being so patient. No, no. It's just, it's just it, I mean, there's so much kind of background we need to start with, but um, your motto is don't just inspire no sorry i knew i was gonna get that wrong don't just influence inspire yeah um and i feel like someone like ibn ali is almost like 
Inspire, Inspire educate, learn, and engage. But <laughs> the, the, the four L's, right? Yeah. Mashallah. Close enough. But like the, the you, you, he's basically the kind of model influencer in that sense. Yeah. No, and, no, 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 no. No, I don't mean like what, what I mean is in, in terms of the the positioning and, the, and and what you're trying to do with the platform. Mm. Like I said, you know, when you mentioned when you had this 15 minutes of fame, you spoke mm. about it right at the beginning. Okay. You wanted to use that okay. to to give credit to your mum. And and for you to even kind of say that at the time, it just shows what kind of a person you are. Mm. So then I think what's he, he was he was never trying to do this for his own self interest. Exactly. You know? and, and what's interesting then is is how you kind of fit into the picture and what you guys have done together. So h- how did you guys meet in the first place? Mm. So how you want to do this? So so I um I, I like over a hundred million people Omar, saw the video. Omar found me, man. <laughs> like I was like. Like I, like I told okay, I'll tell you something. Sheesh. You know, you, do you remember that Fresh Prince of Bel Air um, uh, episode where Ashley's singing for the first time with his headphones, and Will Smith sees his dollar signs above her head? He's like, "Change it." Yeah. What, what? I, I didn't. I didn't see that. I saw legacy above his head, mm, and I've that. seen. I've seen that with other people. And when I see that, I want to work with that person because I don't want their talent to go to waste. I mean, I so. Like I was telling you about that day. So I left home. I didn't know the kid was recording me. I got home to tell my wife. Cause she, you know, she's in the house with this healthy meal. That's like nothing on the plate. Cause she wants to be his head, right? So, uh, so I got home, I'm talking to her and I was upset. I was upset. And I'm telling her, I'm like, yo, these kids were fighting. And so when me and her talk about it, we talk about how I came, that's how she found about the fight. I came home upset. Mm. I almost cried, right? Um, for the sake of being sincere, I almost cried. Like, I was just like, man, these kids, they don't understand what they have. That neighborhood that we live in, when my mom got out of the projects, she moved to that neighborhood. When I started a family, I moved to that na- It's the best neighborhood in the city you can live in, right? So these kids, they don't know what they have. There are kids across the boulevard a couple blocks away who literally are murdering each other, mm. and right? So I was so I was very upset. Um, and then uh, we finished the day, and we went to sleep, and, uh, and our phone started ringing. The first call I got was like 2 in the morning from someone from Good Morning America. Who wanted, right. to, who wanted to send a car to my house at 6.30 in the morning for me to come on Good Morning America. I'm like, click? Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, mind you, we're sleeping in the mad shit slash room that we have that's, there ain't no, ain't no whatever. And um, and then my phone just um And so my wife and I, we look at each other and we say, um, we just turn it off. <laughs> right, yeah. So we go to sleep and uh, and we woke up and uh, yeah, there were news reporters everywhere. And um and I didn't I didn't think anything of it. The guy from Channel Five came. He knocked on the door. We didn't answer the door. We like hid because my door was like a big glass, so you could see through it. So we like hid. We hid behind a wall, right? And um, someone's phone. Yeah, it's time for Magrip or someone. <laughs> um, so somewhere in the world, it's Magrip. But we hid. We hid behind a wall, like in the house by the mantle, and we were like. The news is at the they door. They were outside. They were not. They were at my door. Oh, but I have a glass. I had it at the old house. I had a glass door. So we were knocking. At, I have a glass door anymore. But I had a glass <laughs> door. And so they were knocking at the door. But he's like, hey, Eben Ali Miller. Like that. You know? Yeah, the, the, yeah. So me and my, we're like, we're telling the kids, shh. Right? The kids are like, why are we being be quiet? You know? Like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, they're, they're yelling, why should we be quiet? Yeah. So, um. And then, uh, and then my mom called me and told me that people were calling her and no told way. me to like, uh, well, something's happening, son, and you need to prepare for it. Um, and I don't think you're going to be able to run from this, so you need to walk into this uh, uh, chin up, uh, which you, you know. And I was like, Nah, my mind, I ain't going on TV, you know. Mm. She says, Well, son, um, I think you have to. Um, she says, uh, You don't have to do a lot of it. She says specifically, I don't want you to do a lot of it. She said, But just do enough to satisfy Allah. Mm. And so I took that advice. I'm still taking that advice. 
And that's 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 kind of what I wrote with doing up to satisfy Allah. Point being though, at that time, before everyone, that's before Steve Harvey. So Ellen DeGeneres, TD Jakes, TD Jakes is Christian. He's not even Muslim, right? But um, but I never talked to TD Jakes again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Ellen DeGeneres, TD Jakes, Steve Harvey, uh, uh, a bunch of people, right? Um, other TV people and the news and everything. And so I decided so then I went on Steve Harvey. I, I, I don't agree with Steve Harvey's his, his particular religious views or his particular or his particular religious views or his particular political views. I don't agree with Steve Harvey. Um, I don't think anything bad about him and I think for the opportunity he gave me, but I didn't go on the show because I agree with him uh, with his uh, with his methodology. No, I went on there just because I didn't want to be on TV being interviewed in a in such a uh, personal way. Because whoever was going to get that first interview was going to be personal. So yeah. I said, okay, this is the only black man I can really go with. Is I'm, I'm just going to go with this black man. So at least that way, the people will see two strong black men. Um, you know, it, it'll show a good life for black people, right? Yeah. So that that's why I went on Steve Harvey. But I'm going on as a Muslim. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say that was a problem with Steve Harvey at all. But um, maybe if I would have wore a suit and tie or, you know, just did the nice black man thing, maybe maybe would have maybe did a little bit better um, in, in, the, in the rating business world of it all you know but i think credit to you i think i think you held yourself very well and you for for but you know he asked great questions yeah the producers were great the people yeah. behind the scenes were great that they, they, they i have absolutely nothing bad to say about any of them they were great yeah. right and and they allowed me um you know they they, they allowed me to say what i what i, what I wanted to say mm. and i think that's a good thing but we were talking about how i met omar yes so so what happens is so from some experiences is that i got really uh very quickly i got real worried about the whole thing and I was just like, I'm not doing this at all. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be around it, you know? And so people who would just email me or this or that, we would just ignore them for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then we seen an email from Omar, like we see all the emails. And of course, we didn't answer it. Some guy saying, I think you're special and we want to work with you. I'll even work with you with no, I don't have to make any money. So now I'm like, I don't trust this guy. He doesn't want to make any money. Everyone wants to make money, right? So uh, so we didn't answer. And then uh, then he emails, he, then he sends me a Facebook message. Um, cause we uploaded our Facebook again because now there's a, then he emailed me on, I had an old Instagram account that I didn't delete that I just, you know, you, you know, Instagram, you don't post pictures. You just kind of just ghost, you for, you know? So he, then he sent me a message on an old Instagram account and that popped. I'm like, I didn't even know I had an Instagram, right? On an old Instagram account. Right. And then he went on YouTube from one of my old rap videos from like 2015 and commented on the YouTube video. Right. So when he did that, I'm like, I looked at my wife and was like, who is this kid? Right. My wife said, you know, I think, um, she says he's 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 really been uh trying really hard to to find you and to speak with you. I think you know he's trying so hard to speak with you. You shouldn't blow him off. Yeah. So when I originally spoke with him, I was just trying not to blow him off. I didn't want to be like I went. I wanted to answer the phone and then let him down easy for whatever he was going to ask me, right? Um, and then and then I talked to him. And I just told him, I said, "Assalamu alaikum." You know, hey, um, my name's Ibn Ali. Uh, and then he he gave an introduction of himself. Um, he mentioned MIN uh, from the very beginning. And then he says, uh, do you want to do dawah for the rest of your life? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> right? At this time, everyone's talking about a deal. Everyone wants to make some kind of money, right? I started doing endorsements for like Lululemon. And uh, like, so there's there's a there's a bunch of ways you can take this. Mm. There's a money route, right? And I, I don't want to be naive, right? And to tell people I didn't consider taking the money route. I did. I said, wait, we can make a quick hundred grand. Let's make a quick hundred grand, you know, because it's hard to help your people when you're poor. But in order to make that hundred grand, you got to do some stuff that maybe a Muslim shouldn't do, right? Or or compromise your principles that maybe shouldn't be compromised, right? So I got this guy on the phone who wants to work for free, right? Who wants to help me give dawah for the rest of my life. 
So now I'm like, okay, Omar, what do you like? What do you, what do you, what do you want? You know what do? He said, I want to bring you to England. I was like, what? I said, bro, I've never even been out of country. He said, yeah, I know, but um, I think you would be very effective in England. Right? And I said, um, like, what? Like, I remember the question I asked. It was really stupid, so I'm not going to ask because I want to sound stupid. But um, I asked him a really dumb question, basically to the effect of why would anyone want to listen to me in England, you know? And he says, you're inspiring, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, um, and, and, and he says, uh, uh, he says, you know, um, when, I, when I saw the video and then I saw that you were Muslim, he said, it instantly made me proud to be a Muslim. And if someone tells you that, that's a responsibility. That's not to make you feel high. That's not to make you feel better or more, right? That's to make you understand that Allah Ta'ala gave you something where someone saw you and was reminded of him. Mm. That's a responsibility, right? So now I'm saying, okay, now I have to have a relationship with this guy, right? Um, uh, and so we started a relationship. He brought me to England uh, the first time, 2017. It was my very first time out of North America. Crazy. Before I went to the East, before I went anywhere else, before I traveled anywhere else, the very first place that I came to internationally, my first time ever leaving American soil was right here to England. So I, th I think London it's Gateway. Yeah, I think on the flip side, I think it'd be important if you almost share what 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 is the work that you do and your involvement and what you're trying to achieve mm. with MIM. So in uh, 2016, um, I met my business partner, Safe, And what we realized was is that there's hundreds of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of Muslim influencers who are doing all sorts of things. It's like wild, wild west. They're, you know, posting selfies, which is fine. You're posting pictures of their food, which is fine. But what are actually people doing to make an impact on people's lives? How can they use their platform to make their audiences better people, to make the communities that they have reached to um, uh, want to connect with their faith, connect with each other, do something positive? So we realize there's all these thousands of influencers out there, but there's no one actually managing them. There's no one to look after them. There's no one to inspire them. There's no one to educate them, to uh, help them achieve something in life. So we came together to do exactly that, to uh, work with Muslim influencers, to harness their potential, to make the world a better place so that For they sure. don't just influence, but they also inspire. And this is why when I meet people like Ibn Ali, it's too much of a good opportunity mm. that I can see in the vision that there's something positive here. There's something that, and I've seen it with other people as well. But Ibn Ali in particular, amongst everyone that I've met, is one of the most, the people I see the one of the biggest visions with. So, so if, I, if I can also just quickly jump in and yeah, comment He's just on a this. nice guy. <laughs> this guy, yeah. No, but, but this is what I'm saying. I'm, I mentioned to you guys before that I, I've known Omar for a few years now. And being in, in this kind of, Muslim space, at least in the UK, you get to know people very quickly. You get to know the different organizations and yeah, individuals yeah, yeah. that are trying to do things. Yeah. And we met some years ago, I don't know if you remember, it was in uh, Stratford, I yeah. think, in the... With, with Safe Adam. And with, with Safe Adam, yeah. yeah. Um, that was quite a while ago. But what was very interesting, what I've seen over, over time is that there is like an underlying message to what you're doing. Because there are a lot of cowboys. I don't know which one to use the word cowboys. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are cowboys in this space. Yeah, man. As you said, it's all yeah, about man. making a quick buck. Yeah, man. Like creating a platform for business, creating yeah, a platform man. as a monetary opportunity. And, 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 and may Allah help and protect the cowboys. I mean. <laughs> I, mean I mean. I mean, yeah. You mean, the NFL, you mean the NFL team, right? I mean, I mean anyone who's who's only in the kind of spaces that we're in to make a buck. Yeah. May, may Allah help them and give of us the same attention. But, but that, that, that's yeah. it, right? But then at the same time, I've seen, and I can't, I, I can't obviously know for sure, but I've seen people through the work that they're doing I've seen that there's a greater um, agenda 
mm. and it's something more than just money it's something more than just power and influence but it's like something deeper yeah and so, i think yeah. that's what i've seen that you guys yeah. are trying to create that's, and that's develop our that's our purpose that's, with that's, your influence. so of course we have a, we have a business yeah. it's essentially a business we run marketing campaigns for brands to tap into the Muslim, Muslim uh, consumer market. Yeah. But as, on a, as a mission, our purpose for the business is to utilize the, the platforms and the talent of influencers to make our world a better place, to make our world a more interconnected place mm-hmm. where we can build bridges, where we can inspire people, where we can bring them closer to their faith. Uh, and I know. think we as a community, we, we need, um, we want, and I guess we need individuals like yourself and organizations like yours to put together a kind of strategy for influencers because otherwise it's the wild wild west as you've said right everyone's doing their own thing and it, it, it sometimes it takes someone who who's been there who's worked with artists who's worked with individuals to kind of be able to shape and like mold especially young and impressionable influencers themselves like nowadays like you're talking about your your younger brother yeah getting an iphone and suddenly thinking yeah. we've we've grown up on social media yeah. like i was 13 when i got facebook we had to make the rules what I, but what I'm saying is, like, what? I remember when when the first time I was 13 with a Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I look I look older than you. I'm actually probably a younger. <laughs> I have to clarify this. Everyone sees my how old How old are you today? No, that's that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm 29. I know I look quite uh, old. I was the same age. Are we the same age? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Crazy. But in England, maybe it was the same. Because you know the... The water rules. is really bad here. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't say the what? The water. So the, the water. Well, hey. The and water. The shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's the water. The water. <laughs> <laughs> the water. I, I hate whenever I go to America and I ask for water. Yeah. Everyone's like, what? And I have to be like, oh, water. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I don't do accents. Um, but... Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's amazing what you guys are doing, and and, and Thank you. you're here for kind of two two and a half weeks. Uh, yeah, three. I think we leave. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the rest of the month from the beginning of the March. Alhamdulillah. That's awesome. But one thing I want to say, just like what they do with the MIN, because yeah. I um, because I'm against like Muslim mainstream. Not against. I don't say against, but I'm against Muslims. Not against. Maybe against is the wrong word. But I've always had like this thing like when Muslims trying to go into mainstream, I feel like we should be our own stream. Because when you go into the mainstream, maybe you'll get lost in the river, yeah. right? So, um, and so for a long time, it took it took me a while for me to say, okay, Omar, like, you know what? Um, this work that I'm doing with you, it doesn't have to be personal. It's between me and you anymore. You know, I'm down, whatever. If you think it's best and I can help them in, I'm down to help them anyway, uh, as long as uh, the dial was not compromised. Um, and we, we haven't even come close to, to crossing that kind of a bridge. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and what helps us not cross that kind of bridge. I, I seen uh, one time you, get, you were giving some advice to some influencers. I'm not saying I'm an influencer. I'm just a Muslim. And I think the, the greatest sunnah of the Prophet Wasallam is how influential he was. To this day, he's the most influential man who ever walked the face of the earth. So when you use this word influence, any Muslim should be influential. Even if it's not globally, if it's just locally, in one's own house, on his street, on his block, his neighbors, any real Muslim, you should be influential. This is the Sunnah of the Prophet So from that standpoint, but I heard him give some advice to some young, energetic people uh, like you were speaking of. And I forget the third one, but two out of the three was to have a purpose, like know and identify what your purpose is. Right. My purpose for my whole life is to worship Allah. So I'm so so that's what I'm going to do. Right, and if being on the camera is gonna is gonna uh, support that, then I'll be on the camera. But if being on the camera doesn't support that, then we won't be on the camera. Like whatever, I'm right. So you have to find what is your purpose, right? So and once and once a person identifies that, there was one in the middle, but then the last one, the third advice was, and then to keep in mind what is the end goal. 
And I was like, nah, you got it, kid. Everyone's have mentors. Have mentors. That's a, this is the biggest, the, the most, the key point. Because I was going to say is that um, the, and, and another thing, the only reason why I'm even with Omar or I'm back in England or have been to England so many times now. We've been here like six or seven times now. Mm. Or been to England so many times now. And, 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 and each time I've come, I've literally traveled the country almost every one of those times except one, right? So I'm only here because my mentors and my teachers, they said it was okay for me to come. I don't do anything off my own um, uh, aspiration. I ask my teachers before I bust a move. Is this good for me? Do you think it'll hurt me? Right? I ask my religious teachers, and then I also ask the older black men who watch me grow. Is this good for me? Will this hurt me? Will this hurt us? Will this compromise us? Right? Uh, will I still be able to carry the torch in the future? Will this? Will your mentors can help you? Never forget the end game because they're already there. And I think a question for both of you guys is how how do we seek out these mentors? How how any words of advice? That, now that that question is going to be different because the context is different. Um, so for us, uh, it's an interesting door actually. A, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Allahumma um, well, I guide me to the one who will guide me um, to, to you. Um, that that might be taken in a spiritual context as well. Yeah, um, but but sometimes a mentor won't always be in your life from the beginning. Sometimes they just pop into your life. Uh, and sometimes when you meet someone, a mentor can actually be younger than you. It's it's yeah. So it's not it's not about like a person with a with a with a grey beard and they've they're, they're seventy years old. A mentor is somebody who you trust that will give you good advice that has your best interest at heart and will keep you grounded. Yeah. You know, even if they're younger than you, even if they're within your family, not within your family, whether they're imam, you know, whatever whatever it is. So um, mentors can be found everywhere. Yeah. Um, but as long as you trust them and you trust they're, they're going to be, they're going to they're gonna give you good advice, then you should latch on to them. And for me, uh, being young and black from America, who, who are these kind of people that I would trust? Uh, uh, specifically older Muslims of, mm. of any race, but specifically older Muslims and especially older black Muslims. Um, that's who I would look for. That's who, that's who I would, that's that, that those who are, that, that, excuse my language, he got me getting choked up talking about my mentors, right? They did so much for us, man. They looked out for 100%. us. And if we hadn't had mentors and we hadn't had teachers uh, to help us get through life, you know, um, we, would, we would have already ran into a brick wall. Um, and then for me in particular is that mentors, uh, speaking of the end game, is that mentors are constantly showing you a mirror of yourself mm. to always, uh, to so you can always know exactly where you are. So that way your purpose never gets jaded. Why? Because your positioning or where you think you are, or who you think you are, it doesn't get jaded. So a mentor has to kind of keep you in your place and say, listen, calm down. <clears throat> you know, maybe you're overstepping your boundaries. Or you know what, maybe you're not doing enough. Maybe you should do more. Maybe, but he's going to help you do that. I'm trying or to... She. As you're talking, especially about mentors, and and I'm trying to, as I said, like I, I told you at, at the beginning, I feel like I spent the day with you because I've been listening to loads of little bits that you've done and talks that you've given and, and Q&As and everything else. You talk a lot about your your teacher and your teachers. And, and there's one story that you mentioned about, I think at the age of 19, you walked into the masjid and, and you were having some issues and you didn't go into the specifics of what they, yeah. they, they were. Um, but needless to say, they weren't good. You weren't in a good situation, yeah. um, and your kind of your teacher helped you through that. There's something about kind of 
you, your actions, the way that you present yourself and everything that is genuinely very unique. And I'm not just saying that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I genuinely mean this. And, and, and inshallah, you have a long life and are able to kind of inspire many people. But I'm trying to understand what is it in the kind of, in your background, in your upbringing, in your experiences that have kind of given you the conviction and made you the so, person that you are so today. So that teacher, his name is Imam Amin Muhammad. He is from arguably the worst some people will say there's another one that's worse, but these are the top two worst uh, uh, projects or ghettos in Atlantic City history. Um, and he was like a top guy in the projects. He he wasn't, uh, he was like a top guy, right? And uh, he went to prison when he was, um, he went to Al-Essar at 19. He came back from Al-Essar like three years later. And after Al-Essar, then he went to prison for 10 years. Right? Um, I know, right? Like weird story, right? Al-Essar, prison. Right? Then he went to prison for 10 years, right? And then he came home and I grew up with his son. I didn't know that was his son. I knew of him from like street legend, but I didn't know of him as like Imam Amin. I just knew of like, I knew of the street legend. Um, and so when I went to the masjid at 19, I didn't even know that that was the same guy that everyone always spoke about mm. from the street. I didn't, I had, I didn't find, I didn't, I didn't know that until a time later. Mm. There was a long time before I put two and two together that he was the guy from the street legend, right? Like I, I never, you know? Mm. So, um, so, so, our teen years were very rough. Socioeconomically, we were in the bottom of the totem pole. Um, we had nothing. So there was a lot of mistakes made. And uh, when I was 19, I had a cousin. I was in college. I came up from college that summer. I had a cousin in August. His name is Shadi, rahimahullah. And uh, Shadi, he, he was in prison. My, my freshman year of college was his first year in jail. He did, he did juvenile jail, but this was his first year in adult jail. He was 20. I was 19. So I was in college, 18 to 19. He was in prison, 19 to 20. So uh, I'm home from college in the summertime. It's August. I'm going to go back in like two weeks. And uh, he's coming home, right? He comes home. He has two sons, Little Shadi and Ashadim. He's released from prison at like 12, maybe 11, 12 uh, uh, p.m. in the morning. And uh, like afternoon, I mean, like uh, 11 to 12 yeah. uh, afternoon. And then um, he was dead by 12, by 12 a.m. He was dead by 12 a.m. He was shot at a block party that was celebrating him being released from prison. Um, and I won't right. add, I won't talk about details from his death in particular, but uh, I got the call from my mom. She said, I, you know, I think I think something happened bad. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I think they shot Shadi. I heard that. I hung up. I got out of my bed and I played football in college, so I had like football shorts on and like my workout stuff. And um, I just put some. I think my brother's dirty sneakers on. And I ran like I don't know, like 15 blocks to get over there, and I got there like pretty quickly. And um, and I got there, and he was just on the ground. He bled internally, so yeah, he wore a tank top and capris, and he had on some Nike sneakers. With uh, with black socks and um, the bullet was in his chest and I remember it. I remember the smell of burnt flesh, and um and I and I remember thinking to myself, why can't I see the blood come out of his body? There was just like a little spot on his uh, tank top, and I'm just thinking to myself like I didn't know anything about bleeding internally or I didn't know about any of that stuff. I'm just wondering like, well, he shot. I can sm- I'm hugging him. I can smell flesh, but where's the blood? Um. Uh, my uncle, uh, who I grew up with in my house, like my big brother, he was shot that day. Uh, some other people were shot that day as well. And uh, But I'm just looking at my cousin, who's my friend, and um, he's just dead. And uh, I'm picking my head up, and I see his brother. I see my cousins. I see... And the ambulance just did not come. It just felt like... It just felt like it took forever for the ambulance to come. And um, And so, yeah, we were very lost and confused. I had uh, another cousin, his name was Champsy, um, and uh, because of the incidents that surrounded Shadi's death, Champsy, he, uh, 
he he had it rough for a while, and then subsequent subsequently, not even a year later, he was sentenced to ten years in prison. Um, he was just released this October, and uh, October that just passed—not this October that just passed, uh, the October before that, uh, maybe not even October, maybe a little after that—but this October that just passed, 2019, he hadn't been on for prison for a whole year, and he was just killed. Um, <clears throat> so when I say like all my all my all my closest of friends are dead or in jail, I'm I'm not I'm not just saying that to make a tagline. No, Shadi's dead, and, and so is Champsy, and um and Shadi Rahimullah. That's how we learned about a janazah. You know, they, you know, I went in there and um, you're not allowed to speak about the body or what you saw in the room. So I can't speak about it. But anyone who's done a janazah, especially for uh, someone who was shot, uh, they, they can, you know, they understand what I'm saying if they hear this. So that, that's all I can say about that. But I was in the room um, and I remember certain things that changed my life forever. That absolutely changed my life forever. And uh, uh my wife, uh, at that time, I wasn't, I was practicing, I was like, I'm a Muslim, because we were born Muslims into a Muslim family, but we weren't really practicing deen, so I had a girlfriend and everything, and uh, my my girlfriend at the time, um, she she came to the to the janazah, it was like her first time in hijab, and um, and uh, she watched us bury my cousin with our bare hands, she watched us get in the grave, she watched us hand him down, um, and then she watched us move this whole pile of dirt with, with our hands and shovels, and, um, and from that, she became a Muslim. Um, and we've been married for 10 years now and we have a beautiful family and children. So his death did a lot for me. Um, more his, his death helped me live, right? And because of his death, I was trying to escape the environment that I lived in, but I didn't know Omar yet. I didn't meet Omar for 10 years after that, right? Or seven, eight years, right? you know? So I didn't know Omar yet. I didn't have any friends in England. I didn't have uh, any friends in the Middle East. I didn't have, I don't have anything. I'm just here and they're killing my friends. And um. And um, so in our communities, when you want to be a man, when you actually really want to say, you know what, I'm done. I want to live a good life, a wholesome life, a life that matters. I'm going to contribute to my community be a man for my family, be a husband, be, be a father to my children. And I'm going to have children at the time. Um, you be a Muslim. So I went to the masjid. Because there was this uh, guy down there, Imam Amin, who had studied over, uh, you know, all over the world, and uh, he in our city he knew the most about Islam, and everybody knew it. Even the guys who disagreed with him, they knew that he knew more than them, um, and so no one would test him. And then from afar, I used to see him sometime, and I was like, man, that brother walks strong. Like, yo, that brother and his white robe. Like when you see this man walk through, bro. Psh you're like, I want to, wherever he's walking, I'm walking with him, right? <laughs> you know? And um, and then I got to the mash. I went to the mash and I know he was there. But when I got to the mash, he was there. Um, And then uh, I remember he says, Salaamu Alaikum Habibi. I don't even know what Habibi means, but Walaikum Asalaam. That's what I said, right? <laughs> you know? And um, and then he said, well, come on, it's a lot. And then I, I went to say, he said, you and Wudu? And I was like, um, he said, nah, come on, make wudu. <laughs> right? I was like, wudu, I don't know, bro. I haven't been praying in a minute, right? Right? And um, nah, then he went in the bathroom and he was like, uh, nah, do wudu like this. And I was like, oh yeah, my mom told me this, right? Like my mom showed me how to do this. I know how to do this, right? But, and he said, make wudu. Then we went to pray. And um, and that was the beginning of our relationship. And from that relationship and from his mentorship, he was able, uh, he, he, Allah used him to help not only me, but many other young men, many other young black men. Uh, he, he, he was the one who showed us Islam in motion. He showed us how to practice the religion, how to be Muslims, right? And how that doesn't have to compromise what we have to do as black men. 
Um, so, so, so that's the correlation between that. And to this day, uh, when so ten years later, I lost another cousin, right? And um, he, he, you know, he's still the person who 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 who, who helped me with that to today, right? And his advices uh, were some of the advices that got me through, or is getting me through uh, these types of times in my life and in the lives of my family members. Um, and a lot of the things, honestly, not every single thing, but the majority of what you hear me say is something that I heard him say. Or a majority of what I talk about is coming from a context of a conversation I've had with him over some course in the last 10 years. The, the, I mean, thank you for, for sharing so much with us. Alhamdulillah. The, the strength, honestly, that you kind of exhibit in everything that you do is, is, is even more inspiring. The, the more context we understand. Because I've, I've already heard you previously speak about uh, your father passing away when you were very young. And, and you said something incredible about that as well. That I think there was a hadith that you mentioned that you had heard about how he taught me the hadith, right? What and was that it? When the Ruby children the of Adam, the Prophet he said that when the offspring of Adam dies, when the Muslim dies, all of his deeds they stop except for three. I'm paraphrasing, so mm. please, the, the hadith police, you know, don't come get me, please, please. They'll please. be in the comments. Yeah, yeah, please, Bismillah. Don't, because uh, even even like our teachers, man, you you said what, right? So I'm paraphrasing. Please forgive me. But he said that when the Muslim offspring of uh, when the offspring of Adam dies, when the Muslim dies, all of his deeds they stop except for three, and those three are knowledge uh, of a continuing benefit, right? So some knowledge that you gave, and, and this knowledge is still going, still going, right? Is that you get all of that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, charity that has a continuing benefit, something you gave, and it's it produced, or and it's going and going and go you get all of that even after you die, and prayers from a pious offspring. And I ran to the masjid, running away from the streets because death had occurred. Because they say death is a reminder to the believers, mm. right? Death yeah. is the reminder to believers. So because death is the reminder to believers, I'm a believer, I believe, I just need to be reminded that I believe. Mm. Allah took someone close to me and I was reminded, okay, I'm a Muslim, I believe. What do believers do? They run to the mosque. So I ran to the mosque. And in there, there was a man, right, who taught me how to make wudu and pray and taught me about a hadith that would change my life. Hence, I, I saw that, and this wasn't that same day I met him. This was some time later, because then over being nice to me, feeding me, taking me out to eat, picking me up, having a conversation with me that he probably wouldn't have otherwise. I'm just like a young street kid, so I'm just kicking it, right? So he's just engaging in a conversation with me. But these days, he doesn't. He, I can see it now. He only did that with me to help me. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't talk about any, like, he doesn't even talk about basketball, football. He doesn't talk about any of that stuff. If it doesn't start with Rasulullah, he doesn't want to hear it. Right. So 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 after building a relationship with me, I mean, he's my parents age. He actually went to school with my parents. Right. He knows my father who was killed. He knows my mother. Right. Um, and I still didn't know that this was a guy from the street legend. Over time, uh, he, the first thing he taught us was uh, prayer, rules of Salat, rules of Tahara. And after that, uh, then uh, we went into, or we, we learned belief first, yeah. Aqidah, and then we went right into prayer. Mm -hmm. And then we learned our oblig obligatory matters of religion. We didn't do any big extra stuff, learn 100 hadith, memorize the juz, memorize Arabian and we didn't. We just learned our obligations. And during that, that, that hadith was the introduction to the book that taught us our obligations. But, but, but that hadith, what, what's interesting is how you then took that as yeah, it changed my life it changed your life but it became your life's mission yeah. almost yeah. because that, to that moment was more of, that moment was, about, was probably more significant in my life than going viral yeah but it, it was about attaining a level of piety to kind of give goodness to your father um who was obviously not no longer around and someone that you never really got to because um you know i love my dad man like i don't know anybody who doesn't love their dad 
Mm. Like, I love my dad, man. That's my dad. And even though I'm li- I'm 29 and we only spent a year out of my 29 years together, um, his his impact was lasting on me because I grew up in a city where everyone from the top of the city all the way to downtown, from uptown to downtown, everyone says, yo, look, they call me Little Ali. They say, yeah, you look just like your dad. Or if I smile or if I talk, they say, you talk just like your dad. You walk just, I've been hearing this since I was a kid. And so he didn't, He I didn't have a lot of him, but he left back an amount of respect um, that people gave me an amount of love because I was his son. And from that love, it just made me really love my people. Mm. Specifically, my mom and my dad, because before I came from all of my people, I came from them. And so anything you see of me, I ask that a lot that he reward my parents for. I mean. I mean. And um and as far as my dad in particular, uh Raimahullah, uh he was the vic he was a victim. He was a victim of socioeconomics. He was a victim of the crack era. He was a victim. He was a victim of loads and loads and loads of cocaine being pumped into black communities. Like when they watch that show on Netflix, Narcos. And then, you know, Pablo's having the meeting and he's talking about this and that and how we're going to get the, the, the drugs to the black community and all of that, right? Um, but my dad's one of those kids uh, who they got the drugs to. And subsequently, he was killed, him and many others. And the rest of them, uh, uh, I think Bill Clinton made like the RICO law or something like that. And um, I know guys who've done 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, 13 years, 15 years in prison for $50 worth of crack. It doesn't make any sense. $50 worth of crack and 15 years in prison. But that's what happened to my generation. I'm 29, you're 29. All of our fathers who are between the ages of 45 and 55, uh, who were born between the who were born between 1965 and 1975, who in the 80s were between 15 and 25, that group of black men in America were wiped off. And hence you see the real beginning of profitable prisons. So I, I was just about to come into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even so like the, a, the documentary called The Thirteenth on. Uh, uh, yeah, I just told Omar in the car that he should watch it. The Thirteenth is about Thirteenth. It's yeah. mandatory viewing for everyone. No, I mean, I, you know what? And I'm usually, like I said, I'm I'm usually like some of the ways that black people, uh, like some of the uh, academic black people, view blacks in America. My thing is, don't make me a victim. Mm. Right, like I'm telling my parents were victims, but right now, today, at 29 years old, I'm a man and I'm a Muslim. Right, I have every opportunity that Allah has given me. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. Right, so we have to take this narrative from because young young people they want to fight. That's why they keep going off to all these wrong groups or getting involved with the wrong things or getting involved with gangs or or or, or neighborhood. That's why because we're not giving them something good to fight for. Right, young people don't want to cower and run away, and they don't have the mentors as well. And they, it's right, and and so the thing is that so we have to show our young people that it's okay to stand up and be strong. Right, um, but the thirteenth, uh, thirteenth, however you say it, not however you say it, the thirteenth. Hopefully, that's how you say it, right? So the thirteenth is that um, I really agree with, like, especially Michelle Alexander. Oh man, she's on point. She's so on point, mm-hmm. and she has a book. Uh, there's a man named Omar Salam. He was like one of the uh, mm-hmm. one of the hugest drug dealers in Atlantic City history. He's a Muslim, and today he's probably. Not even probably, I'm going to say probably for the sake of all the work everyone else does, but he's probably the longest running best mentor in the projects of Atlantic City today. Mm. So out of all the bad he's done in the last 20 years, I mean, he's done more good than you can think of for poor black boys. This man just, 
He just works for young kids, works, works, underdeveloped, underserved, parents who do drugs, parents who got killed, parents who go to jail, right? Kids who don't have money for shoes. And his whole thing is education. Do what we need to do so they can be educated because mm-hmm. kids can't go to school hungry, right? Kids don't learn hungry, right? Um, so he gave me a book from Michelle Alexander some years ago called The New Jim Crow. I recommend it for everyone. Mm-hmm. She hinted on that book in the documentary the 13th, right? And um, and I was telling Omar in the car, I said, man, I really understand the black context in America, especially if we're going to work on each other, you know, for the long haul. And I think we're going to be working working with each other for the long haul. Yeah. Um, is that I need you to understand some other particular things. So I, I've recommended that particular uh, documentary. But the book, and now I'm recommending for you to read the book, The New Jim Crow. When you understand the American prison system as a business, yeah. oh, man. Then you'll understand why is it so profitable for Jay-Z to be Jay-Z. Like, I don't want to be like Jay-Z, bro. That, but that, in England, in Africa, yeah, yeah. all they know about black people is you, Jay-Z. You know, that there's, right? a, there's another podcast that I listen to. I, I don't want to, to go on too long. I think we need to wrap up soon. But, but just very quickly, there's a documentary and they talk about how, not a documentary, a podcast. And, and um, they, they talk about how the only black people that are basically famous are through comedy or sports. That's it. And, and you, or crime. Or, or he, he, he may have not said that, but I'm just going to add. Yeah. Or crime. And, and you yeah. don't Comedy, actually, sports, crime. You don't yeah. actually see it. And they were talking about it from like the perspective of TV. So yeah. how many TV anchors, for example, or like talk show hosts yeah. do you know? Because things, how we started the conversation, things that are good don't give views. Yeah. 100%. It doesn't make money. Like, I, Especially like when you talked about, a lot earlier, you talked about the mainstream and media and whatever else. So, so one of the things I wanted to say about that is that even with the Muslim vibe, we've tried to create our own platform. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. We've grown it to Mashallah. a place now where we Mashallah. have... 900,000 social media followers, quarter of a million website visits Ma a month. Allah. May Allah but, bless it. But we control the narrative. It's not about us trying to get into the mainstream. It's about us owning the space and reclaiming our voice. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what you guys and it's a vibe, a bro. Job. I can feel it. It's a vibe, Thank bro. you yeah. very much, man. You know, about the point you made, uh, there's a rapper, Cameron, uh, from Harlem in mm-hmm. uh, New York. And he has a line in one of his songs. Uh, it's an old song, but he has a line in one of his raps. And uh, SDE, where he uses a sample from Biggie Smalls, uh, you know, Notorious B.I.G., who died, the famous rapper. And he uses a clip from him, right, where he says, the streets is a short stop. You're either slinging crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot. Mm. Right? But to make the point that's that... That's basically... That's what you're... Yeah, yeah that, the streets yeah. is a short stop, bro. Well, I want to end, or, I wanna yeah. end on, a, on a bit of a high note. Okay. Um, and, and again, I'll ask you a question you've been asked before. Um... From this whole experience, from the video, from everything that's happened, there was one thing that you said was like the standout positive that came from it. And I think not a lot of people know this about one of the young uh, brothers in the video. So can you kind of just share that? And I think it's, it's oh, no, alhamdulillah. Uh, the, one of the brothers in the video, he became Muslim. Yeah. And the other kid in the video, he's going to college this year. And I believe he has a full scholarship. Um, Crazy. And uh, I'm not going to say who's who. and Because um, those, those kids, they decided not to do it. Hmm. Even at home, when you see them, they just they're, they're just regular guys, man. And they and they could have done more, but they decided not to do it. I think that's the thing where I'm from, the Atlantic City, where it is. Um, there are stars there all the time. There, like we we literally live because we have casinos where we live. So in the neighborhoods we live in, it doesn't get dark at nighttime. It just lights mm-hmm. up, right? So we so it was like so 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 we we grew up in a like nocturnal society where the nighttime is the lifetime. Right, so um, yeah. so there's stars always born in the city, right? Like that type of deal. And those kids just decide, say, no, we just want, we don't want to do this. I don't want to keep talking about me fighting. I don't want to keep talking about some guy saving my life because he broke up a fight. I, I don't want to do it, right? And which is which is beautiful, I think, because they, they were honest and sincere in that. 
But for me, the greatest thing is like, nah, man, that kid became a Muslim. We found Islam through that the kid. And for me, it's like, is that what Allah, like, not is that what Allah wanted, that is what Allah wanted. But for me, I said, okay, I have to do what Allah put in front of me because if even one person became a Muslim, mm-hmm. it's worth to do. And I think I think do. a note to your um, your words on on mentors. I think they found the mentor on you in that experience. Yeah, and um, and and in that, I um, those kids they they also have other mentors who mentor them more closely than I do, but because they were good kids, they trusted me when I instructed them on goodness. Mm. That's the point I'm making, is that they were familiar with goodness, right? So they were able to accept goodness. But um, nah, man, we got a we got a message that we got to help some other bad kids be good too. And so may Allah help all of the kids, not just because, you know what? The young men, right? These are young men, right? So may Allah help all the young men and all the young women around the world who need help, Amen. right? May he help them correct themselves, correct their hearts, correct their vision. May he give them uh, uh, sound hearts and sound minds. And may he allow them to take in consideration as they do anything, to take in consideration their purpose and always think about their end goal. May Allah Ta'ala allow them to find true and sincere mentors that will take them to him. And that's for American, for England, or for anywhere else in the world. We ask that Allah Ta'ala protect everyone and shed everyone under his mercy. Amen. Amen. And I think just one final note as well for the, for the both of you. Whatever you're currently doing together is, is working. Oh, mashallah. I, I think like the, the message... That I don't do nothing. Can I be honest with you? you, you I, I, yeah, I, yo, all I did with Omar was agree, right? He said, listen, I, I will not compromise the dawah. But we... But and I say... And I real quick, I'm going to tell you this because I still don't do my social media, bro. Mm. Right? Like I'll write the story or I'll write the what I'm saying... I'm not even the one who posts it. I just write what I'm saying and I let I let them post it when they want to post it or do what they want to do, right? I just I just want to be me. Mm-hmm. And then if if uh, uh me and whom we've spoken so much over the last couple of years about principles and about not compromising and about what my true intention is, and I trust that he knows it now. But maintain that is what but I'm saying. Like you guys that. have to maintain But if I'm the that. one posting the picture, yeah. how sincere because if I post a picture, I gotta go back and check the likes. Right, like so, like hmm. the little red, um, uh, uh, the little red hearts that oh, pop up. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I gotta yeah. go check the little yeah. the brrr, right. So trying to stay sincere and watch my own heart, I just rather just do what it is that I believe to be true, and then understanding that if you want to help the future, you're gonna have to be on social media, you're gonna be on YouTube, you're gonna be on Facebook, you're gonna because why? Because that's where the future is. But you know what's interesting is that <clears throat> for the last three years, Ibn Ali's hardly posted on social media probably on average once every two months, you might say. But where the um, the power in his brand is, if you want to call it a brand, is these human-to-human interactions. Mm. And that's something I would recommend anyone who's trying to build a personal brand, who's trying to influence people, is first get really good at meeting people, building a connection with people yeah. face-to-face. Because you, there's people who are posting on, on Instagram three, five, three to five times a day. They still don't have ro- no relevance, no credibility. Um, they're not making much money or whatever they're trying to do, but it's because they're trying to actually do something without doing the groundwork. And the, the groundwork is always meeting people face to face, building human connections. And that's really what how you start to influence people from the ground up. Yeah. And the best person that ever has ever done that is the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So okay. that's the, that's that's how you're going to learn how to do that. Because uh, he he gives me compliments sometimes that are very unbefitting. And uh, may Allah make me better at human interaction. With others, and may he make me less repulsive to the people I've met. I mean, I mean, I mean. 
Eben Ali, you're genuinely this is this, this seat is yours for life. Whenever you, whenever you want to come back, you're here. But Omar, I, I think we should probably sit down at some point in in the next couple of months and 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 actually dis- discuss and explore this a bit more because I think yeah, the the area and, and the conversation around influencers and we've talked about selfies just before we started recording and everything else. But I, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had um, and understanding, exploring that landscape and, and how to kind of use it. Because I personally, I don't want to have this conversation now, but I don't feel like it's possible to actively be the one posting out and whatever and not fall into this trap of the narcissism of it. It's um, rough, bro. It, I don't, it, I don't know. For me personally, I, I, I don't know how, like, I know there are a lot of people who do this, but I struggle with it. Like, yeah. but it's, it's been bu- it's been built Sheesh. for you to fail at it. You know, like these these people are very educated people. They've gamified, they've they've gamified, gamified the whole system. Mm. It's crazy the way that they've created the yeah. The, I don't want to play that game. To, to cocaine, you know, like yeah. No, no, like, it's yeah. crazy. Addictive nature. They call it carcinogens. Was, yeah, the right? like, way it's been yeah, designed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's oh no, trail. I think. I was watching a food show with my wife. I think cheese has carcinogens or something. But I think it gives her dorphins. Have you heard of the Daily Mail? Yeah, dorphins. They liken that to crack too. Say it again. Daily Mail. The Daily Mail, no. Yeah, you'd love the Daily Mail. Okay, yeah, yeah, every, yeah. Every day there's a different headline going, oh, this has cancer, this has... Ah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah everything's yeah, got yeah, a problem. Nah, nah, yeah, the cheese, uh, yeah, something about... But I love pizza, so we'll keep the carcinogens and the cheese. <laughs> well, no, thank you both for, for no, coming thank you in. As well. Thank you thank so you much well, for sharing kind of your insight and... Um, as I said, you're both welcome back. Uh, well, bless you guys. Time. Bless your parents. I mean, I mean as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, enjoy the rest of your trip in, in the UK. May, may Allah bless it. May Allah bless it. And may Allah keep all of us, every single one of us who are here tonight. May he keep us uh, truly sincere. And at any moment of insincerity, because it happens, especially with myself, we ask that Allah remind us of what's real. So that way we can always do what's real. I mean.